This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we likely have those watching today for the first time, and we want you to know that we are so happy that you've tuned in to Getting to Know Your Bible. We have those that watch every time we're on the air. We appreciate your interest as well. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be speaking on this subject found in the New Testament, the Great Invitation. All of us receive invitations to various things. Sometimes children receive an invitation to go to a birthday party. You may receive an invitation to go to a wedding. Uh, all kinds of invitations we receive. But we want to talk about the great invitation, the greatest invitation that has ever been extended. Stay tuned today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course, and I would like to emphasize the course is free. Thousands of people throughout the world are already studying this Bible course along with us. We want you to be a part of it as well. I've had people to tell me, Brother Lambert, I've been watching you on television and I've been thinking about ordering that Bible course. Well, think no longer. Let this be the day that you call for the free Bible correspondence course, that you might know more about it and that you might know how to receive it Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-877. 7115214 I want to read now from the 11th chapter of Matthew and actually I'll be reading the last 3 verses of this chapter and uh, this sometimes is referred to as the Lord's great invitation Listen as I read. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some 70 miles from north of the Dead Sea is the Sea of Galilee. And on the Sea of Galilee, there are some very prominent cities. To the north, there, there's Bethsaida. And just a little west, there is Chorazin. And, and then west is the city of Capernaum. This is an area where Jesus did some of his greatest teaching. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 11, if you'll look in verse 20, he says he began to rebuke the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. 
And notice in verse 21, he says, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Here's a place where Jesus did a great deal of his teaching. And Jesus in these verses is upbraiding the people because in spite of all of the teaching that he did, they did not listen to him. And Jesus said that it's going to be more tolerable in the day of judgment than for Capernaum. Be more tolerable in the, in the day of judgment for Sodom than it would be for Capernaum. Someone says, well, what is Jesus trying to say here? Well, first of all, the Lord is trying to teach us this lesson, that people are accountable not only for what they know, but what they could find out. We're going to be held accountable for what we could know. But a further lesson is this. There will be more consideration shown in the day of judgment for the cities that never had an opportunity to hear the message of Christ than it will be for those that had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and they rejected that message. I think I'd rather pass to the judgment unprepared from some remote place of the earth than to go from these United States of America where the Bible is so freely distributed, a country where the gospel of Christ can be heard on, on every hand. People in America have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Now, notwithstanding the fact that the cities where, where Christ uh, taught his mighty works rejected him, Jesus still extended his invitation. And I think that's evidence of his humanity and of his divinity. Sometimes we preach to people we beg with people, we plead with people, and they reject the message. And sometimes we might be prone to say, well, just let them suffer the consequence. But not Jesus. Jesus offered an invitation. Were it all for such an invitation, people might say, well, now, who are you, Brother Lambert, to be offering an invitation like this? But you see... The man who offered this invitation lived in a little despised town called Nazareth. And when Jesus made this statement, he had already stood on Jordan's stormy banks. And he had already been acknowledged as being the Son of God in whom heaven was well pleased. But not only that, he had gone out into the wilderness all alone to meet the arch enemy of all mankind. And he came forth out of the wilderness triumphant 
and victorious. And to extend, to have extended an invitation like this, and have made such a promise as this, without the conscious ability to perform what he promised in this invitation, would have been mockery. And the truthfulness or veracity of Jesus' promise would be called into question. Jesus was fully able to offer such an invitation. But let me ask you, who's included in this invitation? Well, it's not talking about people who are not responsible in their minds. He's not talking about innocent babies who have no sin. In this passage, he's not talking about the untaught heathen. He's not talking about the impatient soul. He's talking about people that are weary and that are conscious of being heavily laden. Now the fact is, those that are untaught need to be taught. And those that are impatient souls need to be patient and wait on the Lord. But there are certain implications in this text that cannot be overlooked. First of all, who is included in this text? Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You know, there are some things that are suggested in this uh, passage for us. When he says, Come unto me, it is implied by that that Somebody is away. The fact that the invitation announced implies that it was intended for people that are separate and apart from the Lord. But let me ask you a question. How did humanity come to be away from the Christ? Well, why was there a need for such an invitation? And many people would answer, well, that the that the human family was a torn apart from God and, and they are away from Christ. And thus they, they t- teach the doctrine of depravity and the miraculous operation of the Holy Spirit. And that since man is away from God and, and he's away from God by uh, being depraved from birth, that there must be some miraculous, better felt than told operation upon his heart. The doctrine of depravity suggests that all men are conceived and born in sin. The idea of depravity, total depravity, inherited total depravity, is is, uh, torn apart by the truth of God about the nature of sin itself. How do men become sinners? 1 John the third chapter and verse 4 says that sin is the transgression of law. A man has to transgress the law to become a sinner. That is, he's not born that way. He gets to the point in his life, to the age in his life, to the understanding in his life where he violates the law of God. And to talk about people being away from God by depravity and born that way is is, uh, overlooking the truth of God about the origin of the soul. Would God make the soul of man a source of defilement and depravity? Genesis 2 and says, verse 7 says that God formed man of the dust of the ground. 
breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. Who made man that way? God did. And if God made us and we're born totally depraved, that makes God responsible for our depravity. But then to teach that people are born depraved in sin is to overlook the truth about the nature of little children. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. We need to be like little children. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, Jesus said. And then the free moral agency of man is in conflict with the idea that we are born away from God. Man is a creature of choice. Joshua 24 and verse 15 reads, Choose you this day whom you will serve. You see, a man can choose who he will serve. And we can choose to serve God or not serve God. We're not born away from God. Man is a free moral agent. And man can choose to obey God or to disobey God. For example, Jesus said no man can serve two masters. He either will hate the one and love the other, hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so you have to make a choice of your master. And so we, we need to make a decision. And the, the statement is made in 1 Kings 18, 21, How long halt ye between two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow Him. If Baal, follow Him. That other, make a decision. Make a choice. So man is a free moral agent. And it, man has the free moral agency, that is the ability, to make choices in life. We're not robots in the hands of God without the ability to choose. And man is away from God because man has chosen to be away from God. For example, in Isaiah, the 59th chapter, and in verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, The Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is His ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Maybe some of them thought that God could not hear now. But why is it that the Lord, he says, uh, but he says, your iniquities, listen to him now, verse 2, have separated you from your God. What separated you from your God? Your sins, your iniquities. And your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. So the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. God's still able to save. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. He is not deaf. But the reason God will not hear man is because man's sin has hidden the face of God Almighty from him. Sometimes we say that sin is the great separator. And indeed it is. And since man is the one that departed or is separated from God because of his sin, then man is the one that must return. That's the reason Jesus said, come to me. We need not to beg, plead, and persuade for God Christ or the Holy Spirit to come into our midst and convict, 
to convict and convert in some miraculous way. We, we need to look to the Bible and, and look at the picture of every man who is away from the Lord. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 2.12. And that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and being without God in the world. Every man who is away from God is without Christ, and he is without hope. And our intellect cannot save us. Our wealth avails nothing. Our political preferences and prominence and prestige and power amount to absolutely nothing. And our ancestry, though it might be of the finest, has no effect upon our salvation. We are away from God. Why? Because of our own sins. In Isaiah the 53rd chapter, the prophet said, we, Every man has turned to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, it is suggested in this great invitation that the people that have been invited have the power, the ability to accept the call. You know, God doesn't tempt us by demanding that we do something we're not able to do. Now, that's just not the God of the Bible. Now, suppose a man were to have a little girl, let's say she's maybe 10 or 12 years of age, and and this little girl has been wanting a certain doll for a long time. I have granddaughters and I know how little girls like dolls. And, and, and all, there's always a certain kind of doll, a certain doll they want. So the man goes and he buys that doll. The one his granddaughter wants. And then he takes his granddaughter out into the yard and he ties her to a stake and then he stands out in front of her, a few feet away from her, and he offers her the doll. But he says, I know you can't come, but if you will, I'll give you the doll. Let me ask you, why in the world would you tantalize and torment a child like that? By, by offering a child that which he knows the child is not able to accept. And that's exactly the picture that is often drawn to an alien sinner. So some religious teachers teach that men have ears, but he can't hear. He has eyes, but he can't see. He has limbs, but he can't walk. He has a tongue, but he can't talk. He has to have some unusual experience to work on his heart before God can save him. Why, he's saying... I, he's saying, I know you were helpless and I know you can't move, but, but if you will, I, I'll give you rest. I, I just don't believe that's what the Lord had in mind at all to you. When Jesus said, come, man has the power to come. He has the power to accept the call. The Lord has never asked us to do something that we are incapable of doing. In, my, in John the 5th chapter, verses 39 and 40, Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, 
For, for in them you think you have of life, and they are they which testify of me. And you would not come unto me that you might have life. The Lord never intimated that it was beyond the power of man to come. He said you would not come unto me that you might have life. The reason they did not have life is because they will not accept the invitation. So if a man is lost at last, it's going to be because he neglected and because he refused to accept the Lord's invitation. Listen to what Jesus said to the, the people of Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 23 and, and verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thee together as a, a hen gathers her chickens under a wing, but ye would not behold your houses left unto you desolate. While Jesus was speaking to a place where he had done more of his teaching than any other place in all the world. And he said to them, I have sheltered and I have protected you, but you would not come to me. And if at last they're on the left hand of God, and they ask why, the answer will be, because you would not. You know, those that are invited to come to Jesus are going to be benefited if they accept this invitation. It just seems to me if we, if we know we're going to be benefited from it, that we would accept it. There are some of you that have been watching Getting to Know Your Bible now for several years. And you've heard me time after time teach the gospel plan of salvation. That there were to believe on Christ and repent of our sins and confess our faith in Christ and be baptized into Christ and then we're to live a faithful Christian life. And yet you have never accepted Jesus' invitation. Jesus promised this. He said, if you will come unto me, I will give you rest. Rest, sweet rest. That there'll be rest from sin. That there'll be rest from worry and anxiety. And of course, the promise of Jesus contemplates the final rest that remains for the people of God. It's a very serious thing for an individual to reject the Lord's invitation. And sometimes there are excuses that people use for failing to reject the, the invitation of Christ and to, to, to obey the gospel of Christ. So sometimes people say, well, Brother Lambert, I just don't know enough. Well, how much do you know? Do you know that you're lost in your sins? You say, yes. Do you know Christ died to save you? You say, well, yes. Do you know Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved? You say, well, yes. Well, then right there, you know enough to become a Christian. You know enough to be saved if you know those three things. Let me ask you, how much do you know? Do we not realize that the more we do know, the more God holds us accountable for obeying His will? So somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I've been thinking about it. Well, how long have you been thinking about it? Well, you say, I've been thinking about it for a long, long time. 
Well, maybe it is time to stop thinking and maybe it is time to get into action. Think about it. Think about it. How long have you been thinking? Suppose a man is out on a desert and he's nearly dead. He hasn't had anything to drink for days and days. His lips are parched. His tongue is swollen. His eyes are rolled back in his head and he's just a heartbeat away from death. And along comes a man and says, I've got some water to save your life. I'm going to save your life. And this man has been without water for days and a whisper says, let me think about it. You say, a man like that would be a foolish man. And yet Jesus Christ offers the water of life to people that are living in sin, that are on their way into a Christless eternity. He says, let me give you the water of life, and if you'll drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And there are people who say, well, just let me think about it. Let me think about it. Oh, it's a serious thing, the great invitation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I would urge you to think more seriously about it than you've ever thought in all of your life. Jesus said, come to me. He's speaking to you, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and, get, and I will give you rest. Do you not want that burden of sin lifted from your soul? It can be lifted today. You're not born the way you are. You became the way you are when you yielded to the temptation to sin and break the law of God. And thus, I would urge you to accept that invitation today, not on some terms that I give you, but on the terms that Jesus gives. And we are to believe on Him, John 8, 24. We are to repent of our sins, Luke 13, 3. We are to confess that we believe in Him, Matthew 10, 32, 33. And we are to be baptized, Mark 16 and 16, into Christ, Galatians 3, 27, for the remission of our sins, Acts 2.38, and we're to be a faithful Christian till we die, Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 10. Let me urge you to accept that invitation. And you may have been thinking about your baptism, and may I urge you to do something about your soul salvation as soon as you possibly can. Now, in the closing moments, may I invite you personally to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You'll find people who will assist you and help you in your obedience to the gospel. I have reports of people after having listened to the uh, uh, getting to know your Bible, went to the church of Christ, requested to be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, and they're faithful members of Christ church today. We want to urge you to do that. We want to urge you just to do what the Bible teaches, that and nothing more. And I'd urge you to call for the Bible course now. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. Thank you.